no chance. What's up, everybody? Episode 77 of the No Chance Radio Show. As always, your host, Ryan. And Nate. It's the show where we discuss the world of streetwear and anything and everything that surrounds it. Not to be confused with... Hot Ones. <laughs> which is a show about spicy foods. Where they eat hot food and with even spicier questions. <laughs> I guess. Okay, close enough. <laughs> Thank you guys and welcome to today's show, man. I just want to say coming off of last week's episode, episode 76, with uh, our good friends Francis and Jordan, where we covered pretty much the... You know, the whole story of the brand Beaumont and we covered topics like um, working in partnerships and starting up new brands and managing multiple brands. It's hard coming off of something like that, man. That was a really, really good episode. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good insights, a lot of good gems, especially for you younger cats out there. That's weird to say. Even us as well. Yeah, I got a a lot of good stuff out of that. Exactly. Um, So if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go give that episode a listen. Yes, please listen to that episode. I'd say like... We really took ourselves seriously with that particular episode because we knew, you know, there was going to be a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of eyes on us for that one. And yeah. I, I thought we did a really amazing job and asked all the right questions and even got some stuff that, to be honest, I don't even think the our guests even knew about themselves. Yeah. It's really surprising. I think that's like kind of the hallmark of a good interviewer is when the interviewer can sort of pry things out of the interviewee and even get them to maybe realize something new. So yeah. I think that was overall, that was a really, really good interview. Yeah. Um, so hats off to us and thanks for Jordan and, or thanks Jordan and Francis for coming yes, through. Yes. That was, that was really awesome. And I mean, to the point of that episode, guys, if you're listening, please go follow at Beaumont on Instagram. They have a web store open now, which is pretty awesome. I had the chance to go to their um, pop-up shop, which is, um, for, for one day, which was really, really cool. I know we spoke about it in the episode for that following Saturday when the episode dropped. Uh, really cool experience. A shout out to those guys who are doing really cool things. Um, in this week's episode, to be honest, we are really trying to figure it out. We have a lot of shit going on, and I know we talk about that, and it's not an excuse for why, <laughs> <laughs> for why this episode is going to be very general, but to be honest, the dynamic of what this radio show slash podcast slash lifestyles turn into is taking on a mind of its own which is really really cool to be honest it's really really cool i would agree yeah um i think it's we're definitely inhabiting a space where that i didn't initially think we would have been in but not to say that it isn't fun or that i'm not enjoying it so it's good it's good you know what's really interesting is that we have a lot of friends that do creative shit right we have people who make clothes, or now we don't have people. We know people who make clothes. We know people who produce music. We know people who are singers, are rappers. We know people who are DJ. We know a lot of DJs now. <laughs> um, shout out to all the DJs. But one thing that I feel like is a space that we inhabit the best that nobody in our field is even doing is being like a personality. Yeah, I would, in the I'd sense say so. of yeah. almost being like, I don't think anybody knows like a like a sway from MTV, or like a, I'm just thinking of, of like really really cool anchors that got to interview a lot of really cool people and report on really cool stuff. I feel like that comes down to us, like a Charlemagne, yeah, or like a uh, fucking yeah, yeah, like yeah. a Carson Daly. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's an outdated name. Sorry, Carson, but but yeah, I mean, think about this, like. Um, Imagine all these amazing people doing really cool things and, you know, for them to have the ability to tell their story requires, sometimes it requires a person like us yeah, to get that agree. out. Yeah. And, and doing last week's episode really showed me that there's not a lot of people in the space that we're at to where we are thinking the way that we do in a cutting edge way to pull out stories that, like I said, that guests don't even know about themselves sometimes. And... That's the type of information that I think is is missing from, you know, just media, social media in general is that nobody's asking the right questions and nobody really cares to ask those questions. Yeah. If you know what I mean? And I think that's something that just goes along with 
being you know or doing a podcast you know yeah. we always try to do more than surface level yeah. um so i think naturally that translates over to interviewing people yeah um and kind of you know and you know we talked about it with francis and jordan after the episode uh when the mics were off and and then they were like yo it's like we weren't even doing an interview it's like we were just kicking it and having a conversation you know like how you would with your homies and i think you know i think that's the best way to go about it um for both for you know on both ends for the guest and also for the interviewer the comfortability level was amazing yeah you know like making people feel as if it is just a conversation between friends is really what we strive to do whenever we have a guest on i mean we've had a multitude of guests maybe like before them only one in person and that was my own brother uh but in that sense, it, it is uh, a, something that we're still learning, obviously. We're, we're still in our discovery phase. And for those that have been listening since day one, we appreciate you guys sticking with us all the way up until today. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in general, it's, it's that process that we're still trying to learn and, and trying to understand. But the fact that we're doing something that still I've yet to see f- with all the discovery that we do with, with talent and people in the area that we live, it's a cool little, you know, uh, nook that we've carved out for ourselves. So I'm really happy that we're, we're here. Yeah. Pat's self. We are killing it. (laughs) We are killing it. Um, but yeah, let's get into the first topic of today's episode. And this was actually an article that you had posted on, um, our Instagram, Instagram story, story, which has been blowing up. Uh, <laughs> lately we just been at, we I, I literally am just at work just like like trying to get like as much content out as possible like all right i gotta keep ourselves active as because everybody's expecting it now um but let's get into our first topic so um publication just released the top 10 most valuable apparel brands um and on the list it kind of breaks it down in a very stock market-esque way kind of showing where these brands stood on this list prior to uh the previous year of 2018 and where they are today actually no the previous year is 2017 because i think this recounts 2018 um so yeah yeah, we'll start at the top of the list um and obviously at the top spot which seems to be a very consistent top spot is nike yes not very surprising should we just go through the list and then kind of yeah, break yeah, it down yeah, let's after? Do that. Let's okay. do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one is Nike. Number two is Zara. Three is Adidas. Four, H&M. Five, Cartier. Mm-hmm. Six, Louis Vuitton. Seven, Uniqlo. Eight, Hermes. Nine, Gucci. And ten, Rolex. All right. So let's start at number one. And this is the top ten most valuable apparel brands. And... um. I'm not sure what the criteria is off top for apparel. I'm assuming it's just anything that can be worn. Um, the Rolex one kind of is surprising for me, but let's start at number one. That being Nike. Initial thoughts on Nike. Uh, like you said earlier, not very surprised. Um, I think Nike has definitely been crushing it. Uh, and don't think that I forgot when everybody was like, yo, Nike's whack. Like <laughs> two years ago, like fuck Nike, like Adidas. Like, I think we're that, that, that was me in the argument between Nike and Adidas on All-Star Weekend. I think I was saying Adidas was going to come up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll and take that. I'll hold that L. Was, yeah, everybody hold that L. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think they've just been crushing it. Not only just with the hot releases, but I just think that their marketing, obviously, like Nike has been a marketing giant since its inception as a company. Um They've been crushing it. I mean, you saw that. Uh, I don't know. It's it's they're they're a brand that's not afraid to take a stance, yes. and they're not afraid to be polarizing yes. because they don't necessarily want or need everybody's attention. They just want the right people's attention. Exactly, exactly. And and I think the ad that you're referring to is the Dream Crazier uh, commercial that they had just put out. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was voiced over by I think that was Serena Williams. That was Serena Williams. Yeah, and. I know the just the, the the climate after sort of watching that video was very you know everyone was really proud to be um, a Nike advocate. I know a lot of women were really empowered by that as well. I think in general, like yeah, to your point, it's not surprising that they're number one in, in regards to um, 
the most valuable apparel brand. It says here that they went up 16% in terms of gross profit for that year. Which um, is a lot. That's a big that's a, percentage. That's a, that's a big, yeah. big percentage in regards to um, Nike in itself. But the thing is, and why it's not surprising even to see that bump, is that they are constantly doing and creating innovative shit. I mean, yeah. and that's the sort of ethos of their brand is to be innovative. And if we're looking at things like their first um, auto lacing basketball shoe, right? Like that is extremely cutting edge and has received so much attention and, and media outlets have, have been covering that for the past couple months that it's like, like, man, like no matter what they do, even if it's something that, you know, that, that, that technology is not anything new for them. Right. Yeah. Hyper adapts came out maybe like two years prior to, so to see it on a basketball shoe and to finally solve the, the question of, okay, like a lot of basketball players tend to unlace their shoes while they're, you know, on the bench. So why not just create a shoe for that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's still, it's not very surprising to me that they're, that they're there, but I can understand the factors that, propel them even higher um, on the number one top spot. Yeah, I think it's not only just innovation in terms of product, um, but I think it's a lot of innovation dealing with consumer experience. And uh, I think Nike does a really good job of listening to the consumer and what their needs are and what they want, um, says the people that worked from Nike. <laughs> but, and, um, but I think that they do a really good job of sort of being that brand that people can get behind, uh, no matter, you know, who you are or what background you come from, whatever, uh, they do a really good job. Like I said, they don't try to cater to, I, I wouldn't say they try to cater to everybody, but I think that there are bits and pieces. I mean, it's hard because it's like, they don't really care about pleasing those people that they don't want to please. For instance, like Colin Kaepernick, Yes, they throw that ad out there. Of course, like there are going to be people who may disagree with Colin Kaepernick's views and therefore may not support what Nike is doing. But Nike doesn't necessarily care about those people. Um, I think they, what really makes them a great brand is that people, or they stand behind what they stand behind. You know what I'm saying? And Um, I would say uh, uh, to your point, and I'll, I'll play devil's advocate in a second, is that Nike has so many different focal points to touch people. So <laughs> not, not like not, that, not, but, but they, but they do essentially it's, um, okay. If, if one year the skateboarding trend is down, Nike SB plummets, right. Then, and basketball is a new trend, right. Then you're going to see profits rise and just in another section, but they're still essentially going to be making money. So even if things like with the NFL and the Colin Kaepernick thing, right. I mean, Obviously, you can you can see how Nike is playing both sides of the uh, of that, and obviously supporting someone that's that's taking a, a stance on a political uh, socio political issue, but also sponsoring the NFL and selling a licensed jerseys through them. So they're almost like okay, like we can take this stance, like it's not gonna really affect our bottom line because yeah. jerseys are gonna constantly be sold. Where the uh, NFL's licensed apparel company. So even if we play both sides of the of the fence, it doesn't really matter who we lose because that person that's mad at this political uh, activist representing our brand may just go and buy somebody else's jersey. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So at the end of the day, you guys have to understand that a lot of these companies, they strategically move, whether it is taking a stance on a particular... Um, I don't know, a particular like a, idea, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever they're taking a stance on, it all comes down to some sort of business piece. Yeah. And I, I think, um, we talked, we talked about this in the episode with like the Gucci blackface thing, yes. you know, like controversy today only lasts for about a week. And then after unless that, you do it twice. Yeah. Unless you do it <laughs> twice and you're really fucking up. But controversy, controversy today only lasts so long. And I think, um, like to your point, whether or not Nike loses, you know, a percentage of their following, they're going to get it back eventually. Yes. You know, um, that's just the way the world works, whether we like it or not. Yes. Um, so, and they've been releasing a lot of collaborations lately with a lot of 
people that are that, that I mean I don't know personally and so they're touching on different groups every day every collaboration every every product that's being released and introducing people to new brands and having their fans being introduced to the Nike brand which to be honest if you're just now being introduced to Nike uh, you've been living under a rock but yeah for the most part they're constantly in search of finding that new customer and that's to say that they can start taking a little bit uh, uh, to be more risk takers as an apparel company because they're constantly searching for new customers anyway. So exactly. It, it plays to their benefit. It's a, it's a win, it's a win, win, win for them. Yeah. Um, let's get into number two, which is somewhat controversial um, in the sense <laughs> of, we don't know why they're there. Um, but let's talk about Zara for a second. Yeah. Um, they've obviously, I mean, from, from what the, the graphic says, They've gone up 6% in terms of gross profits and now sit in the number two spot. While previously the year before, I believe that they were in the third place spot. So as we look at Zara, which is a fast fashion company, um, has hundreds of retailers all over the world. What's your initial reactions in regards to this brand? Uh, Honestly, I'm not very surprised. Zara, of course, is... uh the biggest fast fashion retailer in the world. Um, obviously because they're on this list, but yes. um, I'm not surprised. I think that, you know, we kind of had a debate with, actually you had a debate with <laughs> one of our friends. Shout earlier, out our good friend, Marco. Yeah, <laughs> who uh, decided to DM us and uh, just kind of play devil's advocate. But uh, I'm not surprised by it. You know, I think fast fashion, whether you think it's good or bad, I think it's here to stay. Um, because, you know, like the whole argument that we had with, not argument, but debate that we had with Marco was that, you know, why don't people buy things that may be more expensive, but, you know, are quality? Well, you know, some people aren't as, like, fashion inclined as maybe us or maybe even somebody else. Uh, so they they don't really care. Like they just want you. They just want to look cool in the moment for a good price, and that's the end of that. Yeah, you know? and you, and I guess for a lot of people that are into Zara, you you got to understand that when you see your favorite celebrity wearing uh, a piece, an article of clothing that just like really intrigues you, your first inclination, if you're not into the fashion industry, if you're not into streetwear, isn't going to go research that product. You're going to go to the the closest associated store that sells stuff that's pretty closely associated to what that <laughs> product looks like, right? Yeah. And if you go to the mall, which, you know, maybe not a lot of people do, but if you go to shopping centers, you, you'll you see Zara, which is the cl- most closely associated high fashion retailer. Maybe not in terms of price, but in terms of look, that's the closest you'll ever get. And for the money, you can look just like your favorite celebrities. Yeah. So I understand why it's number why it's number two because there is such an influx of people wanting to live in that high fashion space, but on a minimum wage budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like we're not knocking yeah, those people. Yeah. Like I shop there all the fuck. time. Like teach their own. Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was Zara. <laughs> No, I'm just playing. But like, you know, it's each their own. Like, hey, if you pick up something from Zara, don't be fucking ashamed. Like, clothes are clothes at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, they may last you like a year and then you're going to end up like throwing them out. That is a fact. But you know what? Like, if it made you feel confident for that year that you had it, great. Like, hats off. And we'll touch on this one as well as H&M, which sits in the fourth You're polluting the environment, but... (laughs) That is a fact also... But I think, yeah, to, to, to both of our points of just like the, fa- the the high fashion thing is in. And just because a trend comes along doesn't mean our wallets can match it. Yeah. Um, so in, in going into Zara, and, and I'll speak from my own perspective because Zara is a very like, okay, I'm going out to this event. I don't have anything that's closely associated to what I'm supposed to be wearing to this event, which technically isn't my attire in general so i most of the time when more formal events come around i am buying something from zara every single time but the thing is is like yeah like i don't think i ever i've i owned something that i bought at either zara or h&m that's still with me from a year ago (laughs) 
And obviously, you can end up spending a lot more money in a Zara than an H&M because of the quality is slightly better. But still, like, these things don't last. They're not meant to last. They're not meant to be staple pieces that you can wear for, you know, two, three, four, five plus years. Um, and that is one of the major disadvantages of shopping at this store. Other than looking fly in the moment, that's that's really all you it's can like, do. It's like the Ikea of like the fashion world. Yes. Like that shit looks good for like a year. And then if it's like a couch, like one of the legs just gets busted. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well. But, I mean. but <laughs> the thing is, is you can go buy replacement parts the same way that you can go to Zara and buy that same thing probably in the same season with the same look. That's true. And that's very it true. Is a, it, 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 I think that's the purpose it's, it's supposed to fulfill is like, hey, like, I guess fashion doesn't really reach like general fashion for the regular average consumer, which consists of um, bomber jackets and different um, materials or uh, like camel coats, like kind of like the staple high fashion pieces that tend to go for a ridiculous amount of money from larger brands. You can always get at these stores a, a, a motorcycle jacket or biker jacket, um, distressed denim or Chelsea boot. You can get those at any time in in zara and you know to your point i don't think that zara caters to a specific sort of clientele no you know what i'm saying it's very general it's very kind of i want to say for, for everybody they're like fucking okay sure they have assless chaps man sure <laughs> wait do they sell that there? No, i don't know oh, I i'm just say, throwing that out zara there you go yeah. to? <laughs> maybe maybe i'm going to the wrong store <laughs> that's not zara dude. no but i'm saying like you know it's a very general store they're not catering yes. to one sort of client um over another so yeah. And, and, uh, that, to, and that's how they win. And uh, Marco also brought up a good point in, in the message that he sent us in regards to sizing too, right? Because uh, in fast fashion um, retailers, the the idea isn't to fit every single person. The, the same way that uh, pretty much every brand can't cater to every individual in terms of height, size, weight, width, whatever. So they try to generalize. And the reason why... When you go to places like H&M or, or Zara, and I apologize for a lot of you short people, especially myself, the inseams on those things are fucking long as shit. Because the ideal person that wears this these articles of clothing fit the, the mold, what they expect to be your standard fashion person. It's very like, yeah, like very general. It's like, yo, why... Why are these jeans like 36 yes, like inseam? Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> the average is like a 34 inseam with H&M pants. And it's just like, are the, are, are, is it like your, the model like figurines that you guys put these clothes on? Are they just like all the same height? Like, you know, I can't wear this <laughs> shit now. I got to cut it myself and then it gets crazy. But, but yeah, I mean, that's the whole point behind a lot of these fast fashion brands is it's fast, it's fashion at an affordable price. And there's not really much consideration put into sizing, quality materials, because it's not for that. You know, it's yeah. not for that. Um, let's get into number three, which is going to be a great conversation in Adidas. Um, they were up, actually up from the fourth spot, which uh, was previously held by... Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But previously held by another company, and they actually did fairly well this year with a 17% increase in their gross total income. Let's talk about Adidas real quick because Adidas took a very big hit just in regards to their um, their brand name uh, being connected to that of Kanye West yeah. and a bunch of other things as well. How do you feel about Adidas just like really off top? Uh, I mean, honestly, growing up, I was never, and still now, I'm not, like, the biggest Adidas fan. Like, I don't really care for it. Um, God, I sound like such a hater, but, Hold uh, on, hold on. You were trying to buy some Adidas, like, a couple months ago, a couple months back. Yeah, when I went to the employee store, because I got a fucking plug price. <laughs> yeah, you get a discount. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. There's no brand uh, loyalty when yeah. it comes to <laughs> <laughs> Fucking loyalty goes out the window yeah. when you're... <laughs> Only thing I'm loyal to is my fucking bank account. <laughs> um... But, I mean, I, I can sort of see how Adidas is sort of is climbing the ladder again. Again, they've, they've sort of positioned themselves with the right people um, doing collaborations. Uh, a lot of really good collaborations, actually. Yeah. Um, some collaborations with, like, Adidas, or sorry, fucking Undefeated. Yes. Um, 
and just a bunch of other ones that kind of went under the radar, but I think if you were sort of in the know and if you were their target consumer, like, you're pretty much on top of it. Um, They're very, like, not Instagram-heavy. They're very, like, influencer-heavy brand. For sure. Like, they they do things a little bit differently than Nike and that Nike tends to reach out to like brands or collectives that are doing like amazing things that have more of like a, like a mission statement and they're like affecting change. Not to say that the influencers that partner with Adidas don't, but I think Adidas scope is very much like, what is this individual person bringing to the culture and how can that be reflected onto Adidas products? So like with, um, a, I mean, he, I think he's a not a Bay Area native, but he used to live in the Bay Area. Aaron Kai did a collaboration with Adidas. Oh, yeah, recently. yeah, that's right. He's a, he's a uh, post-pop painter that does amazing artwork with crazy, amazing waves. He al- They also did a collaboration with a designer out of New York. I believe his name is uh, Aris Manuel. Aris Manuel or something like that. Um, I think it's Eric. Eric? <laughs> there's a, <laughs> there's an I think it's there. Eric Emanuel. Okay, Eric Emanuel, which yeah. um, he's famous for like basically pulling like basketball culture into like a very like high fashion stylistic way of, of streetwear and did collaboration in regards to shoes and just some, some crazy shit there. So yeah, it is a very polarizing thing in which how, uh, in which the way that Nike and Adidas both attack people that are affecting the culture. Um, but yeah, I would say like other than the whole Kanye debacle, I'd say Adidas did fairly well this year. Yeah. And it shows. For sure. For sure. Um, hats off to them. Still not going to buy their shit unless yeah, they get employee yeah, prices. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, all right. Who's next on the list? H&M. H&M. Should we sort of just group these together? I mean, okay. Like, yeah. I, I'd say anything, everything we said about Zara, just replace the word Zara with H&M. H&M. Yeah. Um, on top of that, H&M also sells clothing that doesn't last typically more than a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever wash and dry something from H&M if you don't want it don't want to ever wear it again. Um, but yeah, I'd say they, they were actually number two in the previous year, but have gone down. I think that also coincides with the, the, uh, the debacle of the coolest monkey in the jungle. Yes. Uh, t-shirt that yes. affected a lot of different people in terms of, you know, where they were seeing, uh, H and M. But let me ask you this quick question before we get into some of these other brands that haven't, Oh, well, I mean, there is a big brand that's gone through some, uh, some some drama lately, but let's get into um, the top four real quick. And let me ask you a question: Do you think with these top four brands, when it comes to you know um, drama or what, what do you call it? What's the word? Controversy. For, controversy. Yeah. When it comes to controversy, do you think that in any way affects where they are on this on this list right now? I think on a mac or a micro scale, yes, like in the moment. But on a macro level, I don't think so. Um, I think it more so has to do with, like, just the market at the time. I think H and M is very like, not. I don't mean basic in terms of like the people who shop there are fucking basic. I don't mean it like that. But I just think that with, like you said, with high fashion being, you know, more digestible to everybody, the general public. I think that's obviously going to push Zara up a little bit more, and H and M kind of down. Uh, I think Zara just kind of has a little bit more of an elevated air about it yeah to, and which h&m doesn't really have it's just kind of like it's like where you go if you want like cheap it's jeans like, and it's like, like t-shirts like like mall wear yeah exactly it's like your tip it's like a, a step above old navy but it's just like in the mall and right? by the way these are not derogatory terms like we're just <laughs> no. these are just mall wear is just a very general term yeah but it's yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like your one it's like the liquor store of clothes yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you don't really have to go to like safeway or like a supermarket you just Go to your you liquor, go to liquor store because like store they have the what you need. Yeah, exactly. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you um, go. Okay, <laughs> let's get into uh, Cartier. Um, they've gone up from the seventh spot to the fifth spot in the past year with a 39% gross income increase, which is amazing Jeez, to that see. that is huge. Why do you think that that is, that's so? Honestly. And, and quickly explain what Cartier is for the people, the, the broke boys out there, including, <laughs> including myself. Uh, Cartier is, again, they're a brand based out of France. They're really well known for like their jewelry, their accessories. Um, I'm sure like you've seen 
all your favorite celebrities wear their bracelets, their yes. jewelry, their glasses, especially glasses are, are bigger now. Yeah. Um, they're just one of those, you know, luxury fashion houses that have been around forever. Yes. Um, honestly, I'm not very too familiar with what their brand is doing right now. Same. Um, mostly because I can't afford it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I honestly haven't heard too much from them recently. I haven't even heard of like them doing any partnerships with anybody or anything no. like that. They're like super quiet. But super I do key. see a lot of rappers wear Cartier frames. Yeah. And the, I don't know if that's if that's just the trend. It's the whole like, you know, skinny gold glasses that are like really big now. But like I said, like with high fashion mixing into streetwear and streetwear becoming high fashion, like you're you're more than averagely rich person is probably going to have a pair of Cartier frames like it's exactly it's not too far off nowadays especially if the disposable income is that much higher it just it just further um affirms that you know people have some money to spend and if they're going to go get some glasses like there's not really any glasses frame company or you know bracelet company that is really renowned for that particular product, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. The accessories market is is a market that people need to get into, to be honest, because yeah. I get I get watches are a big thing, but like there's other accessories that people still buy on a day to day basis, and glasses and you know other sorts of jewelry, which I see a lot of brands blow up on, is like a really big very area. underserved market. Underserved for market sure. for sure. Um, yeah, not too much to say about Cartier. No, not I at say all. Just constantly doing it to yeah. be honest <laughs> sure man um okay number six louis vuitton yeah uh are we, we surprised not at all no not at all no i mean obviously uh as being one of the most like probably i'd say the biggest name other than nike on there in terms of just like overall influence in the past year the only thing about louis vuitton lately is that virgil got with him yeah. Right. I mean, that's a big indicator for seeing what it says. Even though they were in the sixth spot last year, they took on a 29% increase in their overall uh, worth. So that's huge. Um, so, I mean, I think it sort of speaks for itself. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, like Virgil coming on is the creative director of, I think, just menswear. Yes. I don't think he's the creative director of the entire company. No. But. That's um, true, actually. Yeah, weird, right? Like, who's the who's the women's wear director? Yeah. Why doesn't she get any sort of like notoriety? But, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that obviously, like Virgil being such a marketable name, household name in the past few years, uh, definitely propelled Louis Vuitton. Yes. Uh, I mean, obviously, they moved up another spot. They just, they're still at number six this year. They're making profit. Um, that means that other brands made a lot more profit. Yeah. But that's not to say that that Louis Vuitton but, didn't do anything. Yeah, but still they're up 29%, which is like a huge amount of growth yes. um, for a brand. So uh, obviously like Virgil Abloh and all the marketing, uh, really kind of taking social media by storm. I think yeah, that definitely. was a huge definitely. part of it. You, um, you never really saw up until the last Kim Jones collection, Louis Vuitton being pushed in that sort of way. Yeah. Um, Obviously, with the last Kim Jones collection, everybody you know is celebrating that piece, which also was which also highlights the season that he was last connected to. But when you're seeing like Virgil's process of creating the first collection and watching a video on Hypebeast and High Snobiety, and there was the culture of streetwear was definitely backing him for sure. And you can see that in all in all the different outlets that were covering his first collection. And when the first collection came out. It was it was doubled or tripled the amount of attention because there was such a huge expectation with his first collection, and I I think he definitely hit the nail on the head with it. Um, I know the big ass duffel bags with the like the the iridescent skin on it is amazing, and then obviously like his renditions of the crossbody bag and his like his uh his like vest shit like that's stuff that obviously is going to catch a lot of attention. And I think just based off of attention, you can start to see why they did so well um, in at least the, the past year. So shout out to them. That, that, I, that makes sense. Yeah. And just going on like real quick, I think um, that if you look at all these brands, I think you can sort of see how streetwear has really elevated them and how it's really kind of pushing the market in one direction, you know? 
Yeah, um, definitely. I can I can definitely see that. Yeah, you can definitely see streetwear's influence behind Nike, of course, like Adidas, uh, Cartier, like you mentioned with like your favorite celebrities, like hip hop artists, like back in that. Uh, Louis Vuitton, obviously Virgil coming from streetwear, and a lot of these other brands too, um, sort of shifting their, you know, brand image, not brand image, but their brand tactics from that of a luxury fashion brand to sort of shifting it more to like a streetwear brand mindset. Agree. So, yeah, definitely. You c- you can definitely see that in in the sort of transcendence of a lot of brands and the decline with a lot of the fast fashion brands. Yeah, especially with H and M in that. You can't really get what's currently in with streetwear there. They sort of they sort of tailor their look to being more like of a, of a general thing because obviously streetwear is is getting a bit more a bit crazier in regards yeah. to what people are wearing. And H and M doesn't really have the capacity to, to to catch up with that. That's why things like Zara are doing so well, and Urban Outfitters obviously is a machine in how they operate with with streetwear trends. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to the next one, which is one of my personal favorites in the entire list is Uniqlo based out of Japan. Um, A little bit of history about Uniqlo in the United States, at least. It's basically started in Japan and operated as one of the biggest, um, uh, I won't even call it fashion, I'll just call it apparel retailers in, in that whole entire country and slowly trickled their way over into the United States, I would say maybe about five, six years ago. And from that moment went from one store in the Bay Area for us into like maybe seven or eight in the span of one and a half years. Yeah, crazy growth. Um, Insane amount of growth. And I wouldn't expect less coming from Japan as they are one of the, um, I think it's one of the, uh, I mean, just in terms of technology and uh, mechanisms. Anything really. Yeah. Yo, shout out to Japan. Like they're crazy. Shout out to them. Yeah. In Um, a good way. So let's talk about Uniqlo real quick. One of my personal favorites, probably one of your personal Same, favorites. Yeah. One of the things I like about them is quality. Um, that's For something sure. that I, I put them on a sometimes on a higher list than Nike when it comes to just like general T-shirts. Even their jeans are, are like really well constructed. I've never had to actually hem or tailor any of the jeans that I bought there. And customer service. Customer service is is key with a lot of these brands because uh, within Japan and just sort of their honor system and how they uh, they respect and treat people, you can definitely see that in how Uniqlo operates. It's very much a well-oiled machine, and you never really have to ask if there's more of this in the back. <laughs> uh, so that really helps with the whole making things easier for the customer. It's like it's like super seamless. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and they do a really good job at that. Um, but in terms of the brand, um, yes. like what are your favorite parts of, of that brand? Uh, what, do they, what does it do for you? Uh, I just like a lot of their just like staple pieces, like you said, like t-shirts, socks for sure. Socks, yes. like underwear, anything <sighs> like that, dude. Fuck yeah, Uniqlo. Key, key um, pieces. And then like their Uniqlo U line, uh, which is kind of like their more elevated, kind of more fashion forward line. Um, that's seasonal. Uh that's always really good. And they also have really good collaborations. Yes. Um, yes. Collaborations are huge for them. Let's so. get into that real quick. Uniqlo uh, partnered, uh, initially sp- started partnering with uh, Nigo. Nigo, and, yeah. Uh, they produce the, what's their t-shirt line called? I think it's called, is it called Uniqlo U? Or, no, no, it's the... Uh, I forget. Yeah, but, but anyways. Uh, basically, it's a t-shirt line that's dedicated to essentially collaborations and partnerships with brands that bring on the essence of nostalgia uh, that a lot of people like nowadays. So you'll start to see, when you go in there, you'll see the likes of uh, Basquiat and Keith Haring, Keith Haring yeah. um, Andy Warhol. You'll even see things with uh, Disney, Coca-Cola, and, and, and Pepsi, et cetera. And they touch on a little bit of everything. And, and, and it's amazing to see and I think is very under the radar. Yeah, because super. Of, because not a lot of people would actually wear... I mean, I don't see a lot of people wear that, that, that T-shirt line, but I also think it's because it's made by Uniqlo, which is unfortunate because if anybody else released... A Keith Haring graphic. On it feels t-shirt. vintage, dude. People yeah. be all over that shit. It would, it would, it would yeah. be bought instantly. Yeah. But I think in general, that is a major piece of it. Also, I believe um, 
Am I mistaken to say that Pharrell has a connection to Uniqlo as well? Uh, yeah, he did. He actually had a collaboration with them. Yes, uh, with that Alexander I am, Wang. Alexander had a Wang. With them. Do their Alexander Wang Uniqlo underwear fire? It's on sale right now. Go cop that shit. <laughs> Go to your local Uniqlo. Tell yeah. them we sent you. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, just in terms of basics and brand at an affordable price is what they do, probably better than anybody else in the industry, and doing it in a way that doesn't feel forced, or in I mean, pricey, like it's, it's everything that you would ever want in a, in a, in a local, easily accessible brand. Yes. And there's really nothing bad to say about them. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to them. God bless the Japanese. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Let's get into the next brand. Sitting in the eighth spot is Hermes. I don't really know too much shit about Hermes other than they are expensive as fuck and probably the most expensive on the list. Actually, no, there's more expensive at the bottom of the list. Um, but do you have a bit of... History or insight into Hermes other than being Uh, bags? I don't, honestly. um, That says a lot about the type of shit that I wear and what my bank account looks like. But uh, honestly, no, I don't really have too much insight as to why Hermes, but they're down. They're down on the list. Um, From the fifth spot to the eighth spot. Yeah, I just think that competing with brands like Louis Vuitton and who else is like just other brand, other luxury brands in general, yeah. it's kind of, you know, if you're not at the forefront, if you're not the most marketable brand, marketable brand in the moment, or even innovating, yeah, then you're not really gonna be able to capture that market share. Yeah. Like for instance, like you can probably name like four or five pieces from the latest Louis Vuitton men's collection, yeah, but you can't name four or five pieces from the Hermes. No, like story. not at all. Exactly. Yeah, so. I think it's the innovation piece. Definitely to your point. And, you know, there's nobody that's really pushing Hermes, right? Like it's an influencer culture. It's a, it's a, my favorite, this has this, I want to buy that culture. And nobody's really pushing Hermes to that point. Also, they don't really have things that are affordable for the general population. I mean, at least within Louis Vuitton and Gucci, you can get a belt for three, three hundred, $400, which is for most people fairly affordable for a luxury item. But yeah, Hermes isn't, they aren't innovating. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a um, an old style company that sticks to a particular way of doing things, and that's their niche. And for people that have the knowledge and do the research and knowing that Hermes is actually one of the, I think it's almost considered to be a little bit more luxurious than Louis Vuitton and Gucci, is still like a little bit less than them. And I think it comes down to the fact that it's just not cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not cool in the moment. Yeah. I think uh reputation has a lot more to do than not reputation, but uh just being in at the moment, yeah. like you said, being cool, whatever. Um, I think that holds a lot more weight than like the prestige of being like an older brand these days, you know, like yeah. I think, it's like, <laughs> it's like when an older person says like, I'm older than you, like respect me. Like, I'm not just going to show you respect because you're older than me. You yeah, know what exactly. I'm saying? It's sort of that same now, token. if you're like a cool older person, like if, yeah. like if I'm like talking to Snoop Dogg, then I'm like, yes, I'm going to respect you. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're cool. Yeah. But I think like, I mean, it, it goes for the same thing. Like, it's not like we drink Hennessy because it's like one of the oldest alcohols ever. Like, you know what I mean? No. Like there's, it's, there's a prestige to it it's because it's. I see my favorite up. rappers yeah. drinking in, and it's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in general, people don't have that much that that disposable income to, to spend, and not too many people are just spending their disposable income on a bag. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to number nine, which is uh, a good conversation starter. Uh, let's talk about Gucci, who's gone down, obviously, um, down from the eighth spot, but has seen a massive increase, uh, 19%, but still seen a massive increase in their, their, just their net worth in general. Yeah. What can this be attributed to Nate? (laughs) Uh, like we talked about in not the past episode, but the episode before that, um, obviously the backlash from that whole blackface controversy. Um, I think again, like that had some impact on it, but I don't think it's their ultimate demise. Uh, I think, as a brand, they can still bounce back um, yeah. from that one incident. But I think that, I don't know, Gucci was definitely one of the more, you know, prestigious, like luxurious fashion houses to adopt like the streetwear model. Um, like we talked about before, they're, 
very well known for collaborating with people like paying homage to people like Dapper Dan, yes. you know, yes. um, sort of taking, you know, what's in the moment, which is streetwear, uh, and sort of catering to that consumer, uh, which maybe before Gucci wasn't as accessible to I would them. say they're like, they're in my top three of the past year in terms yeah. of doing great stuff and like what, what they did fairly well last year was they listened to their consumers yeah. because the Gucci, like vintage Gucci, like sweatshirts and t-shirts were all the rage when, when vintage started to come back in, you know what I mean? And within like three, four five months, their whole collection is inspired by the old style Gucci motifs and yeah. big logos. And like, imagine like you would never see going into a Gucci store, a side bag with, the old style Gucci logo just slapped on it. Like that is not prestigious, like luxury fashion. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's not typical. So the fact that they listened to their consumer and started to understand the trends and what, what this, they almost like initiated this high fashion streetwear mindset. And once they got into that, it really shows that, I mean, they're really about their shit and that's why you see an increase. Obviously, I mean, they've gone through a lot of shit as of lately. And um, I think when Soldier Boy wore that really dirty headband, that kind of brought down a little bit of the stock as well. <laughs> um, shout out Big Draco. Uh, but for the most part, I'd say they, they should have been in higher in a higher spot. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's just my opinion. <laughs> Man, shout out Soldier Boy. Come on <laughs> podcast one time. Drake! <laughs> Okay, last brand, Rolex. Number 10 on the spot, but has seen a 27% increase. All your rappers are, are rapping about watches nowadays. I feel like I know more about Audemars baguettes than anybody else because there's like so many different versions, but I still don't know what the fuck it looks like. Um, what do you think about watch culture right now? Uh, I think it's cool. It's definitely something that you can kind of you kind of have to get into it's I almost equate it to yachts like yachts <laughs> or like wine culture yes, you yes. know like people are so like oh what vintage is this like it's the same with watches too like a real watch connoisseur is like yo this is a Rolex like day date from <laughs> fucking oyster perpetual from like <laughs> well, 1960 dude that's insane and i'm like yo yeah chronographs are crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man but yeah you know what i'm saying like it's the same shit um definitely something i can't get into or at least monetarily yeah monetarily into. can't get into i can aspire from afar <laughs> yeah but i mean it, it's cool it's it's chill yeah i think <laughs> i think rolex in itself is always going to be one of your more uh, legendary brands are always going to stand the test of time. I mean, if anybody understands anything about watch culture, those things get more expensive the more that you own it. So the longer that you have it, they sort of uh, increase in terms of value, which is a really a rare commodity in regards to anything that you buy. I mean, other than Supreme. Um, wine. Maybe houses, depending on the year. Wine. There's not too much, maybe comic books. I don't know. There's not too, well, action figures. There's a lot of shit that you can <laughs> buy that increases over time, but I think watches are one of the more lucrative ones and also something that I think is fairly necessary for a lot of people to own. I don't like wearing watches, to be honest. I've never liked wearing watches. Um, would you ever buy a watch, like an expensive watch? Because that's what most people do with their first big check is they buy, buy a nice like watch. Like a Rolex or something. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not super like into that. It's like I said, it's cool. I can, you know, I can appreciate it, but I don't think buying a $10,000 watch is going to do anything for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's very much a, a status symbol, which I respect from a lot of people that do own really expensive watches. It's a, it's a way to basically uh, like an accolade of, yeah. of a big, you know, it's I like think, an achievement in Xbox. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But in know, real life. You know who explains this fairly well? I think it's um, it's Kevin Hart. Yeah. This is a very random tangent. But he basically says anytime he has, um, he ends a tour, anytime he completes a a uh, a special, a comedy special, he buys himself 
a really really expensive watch. Well, that's good for you, Kevin Hart. Not yeah, everybody's yeah, grossing just fucking have the money, millions of dollars you know, after hundred something million. Yeah, <laughs> after Jesus every yeah. Christ. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a very necessary thing for a lot of people to have. I mean, if you're a business guy, obviously. Um, but that culture in itself is a very bizarre one for my <laughs> for me to understand. Um, but I respect it like like any other like um, really niche culture. I think it's really cool. Yeah. But does it fit at the tenth spot? I don't know. The name's pretty big. The name's pretty important. Uh, I don't know about 10, though, but... Yeah, yeah. Maybe Hermes on the 10th spot. Maybe Uniqlo at the number one spot. <laughs> uh, what would your list be if you... if you? Uh, uh, I think that would be pretty spot on, actually. Uniqlo number one, <laughs> Nike number two. Uh, yeah. Like, if I had a choice. It's like all the ones we don't really know. They're like nine and 10. Like, yeah. Ah, they should be down there. But I think it's, un- it's important to understand that a lot of these brands... I mean, obviously... This list is guided just simply by how much each brand has made over the past year. But that doesn't necessarily mean that one brand is more important in terms of what they're releasing. They're all doing a lot of amazing shit except for Gucci. But it really (laughs) depends on who's doing the things that we talk about in in regards to what these brands mean to you. I mean, we have our own favorite brands in this list. But, you know, what are your favorite brands in this list? And do they embody the, the characteristics that you look for in brands? For me, it's affordability. That's, <laughs> that's the number one thing. What about for you? What's the number one thing? I would about say you? so. The good com a good combination of, you know, affordability, but also a good product. So yes. I think that balance. Yes. Um. So if you're doing that, hats off to you. I'm probably fucking with you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, really look at the brands that you're you're uh, you're purchasing from. These lists are are. I mean, I don't know who they're created by, but obviously they have the stats to to put something that's official together. But for the most part, we're still going to buy the brands that we like, regardless of what list they're on or what spot that they sit at. Yeah. Um, just have a little bit more faith in the brands that you buy from, to be honest. Um, and that's really the, that's the moral of the story. Yeah. We were <laughs> I was really trying to find like the golden nugget of, of why we brought this list up, but I think we did a really good job. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to you guys for for listening to us on a weekly basis. Be sure to follow us at No Chance Radio on all platforms. Also, before we leave, we want to announce that we do have one more show uh, this month, or actually no, next month, March eighth. March eighth is the second coming of our. Well, we're just gonna announce it now. It's gonna be our first ever live stream party. I know for a lot of you that have been wanting to come to our events that live on the East Coast and or in other countries, you guys have been pretty envious of the the recap videos and all the photos of the of the girls at our parties and or, or guys or guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna have a live stream event, and we hope that you guys watch and you know eventually are able to come out and enjoy some good music. And a lot of our performers are super awesome. So on that note. Be sure to follow us to stay tuned and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.